Joan, Stefan, Simona, Renault, and Philippe. They're still on the living room floor asleep. Light was delayed, but they got it so cheap in Amsterdam. The cat jumped off of the fire escape. He's a little shook up, but he don't have a scrape. Climb up to the roof, let's make a crepe. You bring the jam. This is the life of Popo This is the life of Popo This is the life of Popo Bohemia. Showers in, the in 1990, Jonathan Larson debuted a one-person rock show called Then 3090, now called Tick, Tick, Boom. In January 2021, Alexandra Lee came on the original cast to talk about it, and now in November of the same year, there's a movie about it. Cannot be a coincidence, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the original cast of the movies. Thank you so much for being a patron of the original cast. Actually, no, this one's going out to everybody on the feed tomorrow. But right now, we're live, live here on Patreon to talk with some luminaries about the movie that is sweeping music theater Twitter, if nothing else. Uh, <laughs> and that is Lin-Manuel Miranda's adaptation of uh, Jonathan Larson's uh, musical Tick, Tick, Boom, which they have made even more autobiographical than it was in the first place. So here to talk with us about it right now, we have from the, we'll do this alphabetically, from the episode on hair and a couple other intermissions has popped in and out from time to time. She is a, uh, a wonderful writer, a great humanitarian, and my close personal friend for, I think, two and a half years now. It's Serena Berman, everybody. <laughs> Hello, thanks Hello. for having me. Of course, thank you for being had. And of course, what what would any discussion about a musical set in the 90s be without the original cast's own personal center square? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Robbie Rizal. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. Not even close to first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Your first call was I'm, like two weeks after the first episode popped. Like this You're not wrong. <laughs> when, when you were giving me a little All That Jazz intro and yeah. I realized what was happening, I nearly did a dry spit take. <laughs> it's good. I, I, I find it a great way to introduce folks. Is that uh, it's, Honestly, it's use solid. it forever. I should. Solid joke. Keep it. Oh, yeah. No notes. No notes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Knew that was coming. And oh, we're, we're going to have yeah. fun. Oh, we're going to have a great time. I can't we're wait. Here, we're I'm here to talk about Tick, Tick, Boom. Tick, Tick. This, and- like, probably the most... It's so funny in a year of... There have been a few, and one of them hasn't even come out yet, anticipated movie musicals. Have we mm-hmm. had... How many have we had this year? Three? Six, I want to say. So there's In the Heights. Uh-huh. This. Dear Evan Hansel. Oh, dear Everybody's Hansen. talking about Jamie. Um, West Side uh, Story is the one that hasn't come out yet. Diana. Yeah, there oh, was Diana. one a well, week for... Of course, Diana. Babes. Yeah. I am seeing Diana tomorrow I know, night. I saw that on Twitter. Early birthday person. gift to myself. I've got a gummy set. I'm ready. Happy birthday. You have to. Happy birthday to you. you. Have to. What a gift. You what have a gift. to. What a gift. <laughs> what a gift. Um, that's the Paul Lind imitation yes, for the person who will share in, in the chat. Yeah, it will There come you out. go. <laughs> okay. It's out of the way. Great. Um, I recommended that you do this specifically. You did. This, tick, mm-hmm. tick, boom. You did. Because absolutely. I, I uh, being very smart and a longtime listener of the original cast of the movies, I know this is the year of Sondheim. And so I sent Patrick a text and said, hey, 
Uh, do you plan to do Tick, Tick, Boom in the year of Sondheim? Because Bradley Whitford plays Stephen Joshua Sondheim. And really goes for it. He certainly does. Wow. <laughs> certainly Nobody goes. leans in more to be no. a Fosse burden that's just Bradley Whitford making a mole face for <laughs> I, six to eight episodes. I mean, genuinely couldn't money. stop laughing every time he was on it's the screen so in brilliant. hysterics. It was so lived in. It was. And it was so like, it was, I mean... Of all the people in this movie playing real people, and there are several, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't do the sort mm-hmm. of awkward man in the moon thing where they had people play themselves 40 years later, which sure. was a good choice. Um, but he really did, like, I think a solid late 80s imitation of Stephen Sondheim. Oh, yeah. If you know who Stephen Sondheim is, I'm really interested to talk to somebody who had no idea who Sondheim was. It was like, right. why was Bradley Whitford doing squinting so aggressively like like squinty eyes and weird like stroke hands yeah a lot of questions questions. listen we'll get to it when we get to it all i have to say is bradley whitford gave us the lord's work it did the whole he did the whole thing he really really including like the weird hands where he like he's teaching that master class that you can watch on youtube right doing the yes when he does like to do things perfect yeah Yeah, it's it was a very studied performance very very studied and i love it (laughs) loved every second so intro this as you were i'm so sorry no no this is the intro i mean this is it because like (laughs) i I sat down to watch this movie and you know as as to do this show and i was like okay i have to take notes i have to be ready to have this conversation i took no notes i was never not engaged in what was happening on screen i didn't want to stop watching it and then i thought well i'll watch it again to take notes and then that was a silly thing to think because i have three kids but it, it was <laughs> it's good that you have time it's like thanksgiving week so thrilled for you yeah patrick what is what is your like uh background with tick tick boom have you seen it before no, i've never seen it or live. Serena? i've never seen it live i've only i've heard the album you know however many dozen times um Sure. And, mm-hmm. But no, I've never seen the show live. Serena, how about you? No, I've never seen it, um, but I love it. I mean, I have like a long, a long nostalgic love for Tick, Tick, Boom. And I like, I sort of tracked down the libretto after seeing the movie because I was so, I know what the show is about, what happens in the like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. version of the show, but I wanted sure. to read it to get a sense of like what it is. And that was an interesting experience. Sort of like what David Auburn yeah. the script consultant who took the rock monologue and like shaped it into this musical right yeah. to a three exactly. character like actual three character that's show. so interesting yeah. that neither of you have seen i feel like no. signature for sure has done it like signature's five done it. it's been done it's been done a mm-hmm. lot you know in in dc it's been done around but i just never sure. have never gone to see it i had a so my my relationship with jonathan larson's music mm-hmm. is Aside from, you know, being 16 when Rent came out, which is like the perfect age for that. How dare and you, then, I know. I like the, I am in the middle of this age, this little age triangle here, and I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, so, but like then getting kind of overdosed on Rent and going through that, like, Rent's the best to Rent is not good, like, cycle that everyone goes through who falls in love sure, with Rent. Sure, they could just pay their rent. Right. The, yeah, which I, I have things to say about that. I, I don't like that. Yeah, I, on balance, I don't like that, that, uh, that analysis. But if somebody promised you that they would cover your rent yes. and then a year later said, pay me back for the whole, whole year, year you've been you'd be spending, like, well, like could money? you sure. afford that? Because no. I could oh, not. Not at all. No. But I also, <laughs> have a theory that uh 
that Maureen's characters, uh, Maureen's mother is Leona Helmsley, and she owns all those buildings. Oh, there you so, go. It's a great theory. That works. Yeah. It, it tracks. Uh, <laughs> so then, but then not really, and then hearing Tick, Tick, Boom in college, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and enjoying it, but not really thinking much about it. And it wasn't until the Jonathan Larson project came out. Mm. which mm-hmm. I found to be, because I was like, oh, neat. Somebody pulled together all like songs of his from the show. And I still think it's one of the, like, the, the, the best music theater albums of the last like five years or 10 years, whenever that came out. It is... Just like a two years ago or so. Is, yeah, it, was, Maybe it, it three. feels super recent. It's certainly while mm-hmm. I've been doing this podcast. And yeah. I was shocked by it and still am, because that, that was when I started to reevaluate Rent and kind of really feel sad. <laughs> about the like the, the thing like guy can you imagine if he had been able to rewrite like I could it was just like all the problems I have with that not all the problems but a lot of the problems I have with that show probably would have gotten fixed and mm-hmm. first and foremost your eyes as I've said like a thousand times <laughs> but it is so in that light then revisiting Tick Tick Boom and then really digging into what it is and then doing it for this show it was mm-hmm. a real like I, I really really have great affection for for Tick, Tick, Boom and for the Jonathan Larson project that transcends sort of any of my, my hesitation about, about rent. Um, so that's kind of my, my relationship with, with Tick, Tick, Boom. Robbie, how about you? Um, I saw the original production at the Jane street theater, uh, which is uh, the hotel where they brought the Titanic survivors famously, <laughs> and then became a hooker <laughs> hotel by the hour, but had a theater nice. in it and it's where oh. Hedwig started. Um, so I saw Raul Esparza, Amy uh, uh, Spanger, mm-hmm. I almost said Spalding, Amy Spanger and um, Jerry Dixon, the three of them in the show. Uh, and I, I mean, you, you cannot help but be knocked over by Raul, uh, mm-hmm. Raul Esparza's like intensity. Yes. Um, he was like ideal casting. Um, and I listened to it forever because I think like the last three songs proper of the musical are like bang 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 perfect mm-hmm. uh that's come to your senses why and then louder than the words mm-hmm. it's that's like a one two three no notes yeah uh and then i saw um the encores concert that starred the cast of hamilton mm-hmm. lin-manuel miranda uh leslie odom jr and karen olivia and uh then of course the film the film Yes, the film, the celluloid, the celluloid prediction. Yeah, and so, Serena, you had you had listened to this show, in oh yeah, a lot. I think I I don't remember when I found it. Certainly after Rent, which I, you know, yeah, had been listening to since the age of like six. Sure, Um, how dare you? You know, one of those millennials, (laughs) one of those rent millennials. Um, But. At some point, I I stumbled on Tick Tick Boom, and it just like made it into the rotation. It was a, it, yeah, I I love it. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, no. I so, love what it. were your hopes for the movie when you heard it was? I mean, I would say even back to when we heard it was it was coming out, and then Lin Manuel Miranda was directing it. Or what were your thoughts? Not even hopes. <sighs> I mean, I was nervous as I am for many movie musicals. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah i hoped it wouldn't be i don't know i just hoped it wouldn't be messed up i think i had more hopes for what it wouldn't do than what it would do um and i i feel like i was generally happy with a lot of the choices that were made i I mean i got thoughts but sure 
That's yeah. a good question. What what did I hope? Yeah, what did you mean, think, Robbie, you when you heard they were doing Do you have specific things you were hoping for? I was hoping it was better than the Rent film. Oh, God. Well, well that's not hard. It would like, almost have to be. First and foremost. My, like, first, Truly. Like, yeah. Oh, um, I also uh, am vaguely tied to Jonathan Larson in that I worked on an album that came out in 2007, I want to say, called Jonathan Sings Larson for the Library oh. of Congress. Oh, and it okay. was like all of his demos, his demos? Mm-hmm. curated, uh, including a lot of these therapy. Including, I think, and... that that Boho Days demo. Boho Days, yeah, therapy. that's him. Uh, yeah. LCD readout. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, a whole bunch of stuff. Louder Than Words. Um, so anyway, I was... Uh, hmm. It's so fascinating because when I heard about it, which of course was like what two plus years ago, mm-hmm. because they sh- they started filming and then like, bang, the world shut down. Right. Um. Uh. I was I was very hopeful, but Lynn had never directed a film before, and yeah. so that made me nervous because your first time directing and it being a musical, who are you, Barbara Jones Streisand? <laughs> I feel like I at least trust him to surround himself with. I also, I mean, I had similar mm-hmm. like trepidations, but I sort of knew he was going to surround himself with people that would make a good product no matter what. So that sure. at least, I but, was yeah. My my I, worry was sort of I didn't know. I knew they obviously weren't going to do the show. Like they weren't mm-hmm. just going to do the three. Like they weren't going to do that. They were going to. They were going to flesh it. They were going to flesh it but, out into being more autobiographical. So that was my first like. But, okay, this is you know a good idea. Ahead, I mean, honestly, there's uh, there are more than three characters in the musical. It's just that, you know, those other two actors play a multitude of characters. Yes. So truly, they could have just staged or mannered it and handed out those roles. <laughs> right. Like, one person is a role at the end. Yes. Um, and that could be that. Uh, but they really, like, fleshed it out. Um, it's fascinating that uh, David Auburn was just kind of like I I did tick tick boom and I yeah. don't need to do it again. Um and it was it was and it was an interesting feeling when I and when I heard that that uh that Steven Levinson was writing the screenplay it was obviously sure. somebody who I um you know think is Fosse Verdon is again fantastic and but whether or not you know you love Dear Evan Hansen, especially the book of Dear Evan Hansen, like there's a lot of questions there. So, you know, it just becomes... I mean, big year, big year for Steve Levinson and Lin-Manuel Miranda in film in yeah, general. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. A really big... How weird. It, it's very weird to have that. And I, I, I was really... So when, when I... But I then I saw the trailer was sort of my, my next... The next thing we all saw. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, okay, this is like... This is... This is going to be good. I just thought, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be entertaining. That was sort of my only thought. I was like, okay, it looks, this looks well shot. It's well put together. It looks like a big mm-hmm. musical with a small cast. I love all these people who are in it. Great. It it will be. But I was my, my, my main worry was that they were going to make Jonathan Larson, and the shot that really worried me that's in all the trailers is where he pushes the diner out. And I was like, mm. oh, they're going to make him Jesus. Like, this is going to be... The, the deification of Jonathan Larson. And I can't tell you how happy I was that it was not that at all. It wasn't, you know, it certainly holds him up in high esteem, but he deserves that, I think. It is, yeah. but I was really afraid it was going to be like, everything he touches turns to gold kind of thing, you know. It, were, you, you know were you nervous about the casting of Andrew Garfield? Actually, no, because I've liked him really? in everything I've seen him in. 
I think. Um, and I have seen both Spider-Man movies he was in, and they're terrible, uh, but he's good in them. Is sort of what a gift. I mean, I was yeah. worried he wouldn't be able to sing. Yes. But then, yes. The, you know. I thought he did very well. Yeah. I, I think he's spectacular. Truly. Yeah. Truly. I think he's really good. But I it was good to cast somebody cast, like that it was who like, was not, because Jonathan Larson really can't sing very well. He has a, can carry a tune, but he's he's more enthusiasm than vocal quality. I mean, to be fair, yeah. neither could Lin-Manuel Miranda at Encores, so. Sure. But it is like not casting, you know, you're not you're casting an actor first and a singer second, and it's a movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie musical. That's a perfectly acceptable thing. We can dub vocals. Like that's not. Yeah. You, we don't have to get nuts about this. Yeah, but we're not dubbing vocals anymore. Well, and but they also like I think that like meta frame of it mm-hmm. made it more interesting that he. I mean, he's saying, in my opinion, very well for a movie musical. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I think he did. Like. I didn't need him to be Raul Esparza because, sure. you know, yeah. it was his solo show. It was him performing his solo show is what we were hearing the singing. Like That's mm-hmm. what I think is so brilliant about this screenplay mm-hmm. is that they went back to the rock monologue uh, and they kept jumping in and out of that. I think that is a brilliant choice. Yeah. It yeah, really totally grounds agree. it. Truly. And it keeps mm-hmm. it it keeps the ev- it keeps the story mo- I mean it was so funny that this movie has from a writing standpoint two clocks in it. We, of course it is called Tick Tick mm-hmm. Boom. But like it has the <laughs> the the integrated clock of the fact that this is a we're watching a performance. So like this show will have a finale that we're watching on the stage. The show mm-hmm. But then it also has the clock of him putting on the workshop so that we know at any point kind of where we're at and we're all expecting it to end at the workshop, which is where logically that would go. But sure. the the wonderfulness of the of the construction comes in the fact that when you have two clocks, it doesn't have to end at the workshop. Mm-hmm. We can have the extended bit, which is the most important part of the movie, is after mm-hmm. the workshop. Like that is yeah. the whole – like that's the part of the story of this movie. And that's really where – what this movie is really about to me came out. And I was sort of, it was that great moment when you watch a really, really good movie, a really good play, a really good anything, where it's not till the end that you kind of realize exactly what you've been watching the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of, you know, falls into place. Um, and so I don't want to jump all the way to the end right at the beginning, but I also am sort of trying to hold back from talking about the sound design of this movie for the next two hours because I think it was... <laughs> but like... Robbie, from your standpoint, but like, yeah, as someone who who produces records, and Serena, I wonder if you noticed this as well. I was like, this movie felt like it was made for me directorially, and for two reasons. One is the constantly floating aspect ratio, which I'm a huge fan of, going from mm-hmm. widescreen into that four by three TV thing, right? But also the fact that the songs performed in the concert sounded different than the songs that were performed extemporaneously you know non-diegetic the non-diegetic song sounded like musical numbers mm-hmm. and the diegetic one sounded like a live show and just that level of care in in this sort of movie is is what part of what i think i don't know that people notice that consciously but i think that's one of the things people are responding to in it that there's that level of care with it throughout so you he always feel about safe. that yeah that's and again as it like a first-time director he said, I want them to sound like time and place specific for these concerts. And all, same thing with aspect ratio. And it's what a smart choice. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think there are so many smart directorial choices made in this film. Uh, down to like writing that song in the swimming pool. Yeah. It's just like that felt like movie musical magic. Mm hmm. 
in the same way where like in the heights when suddenly they're dancing on the side of the building and it's very much like an old sort of 1940s mgm musical Mm -hmm. i was like you get this you understand this intuitively It, it was beautiful yeah, I was I was just absolutely knocked over by it. Serena, what were your sort of big yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just grounded it in realism, and I really liked the choice to make. I think I was ex- I wasn't expecting as many of the songs to be diegetic. I sort of figured yeah. we would like kind of spin off into movie musical land a lot more, and I really liked the that that choice because. I just, it felt so lived in. I mean, like as a person who is that age living in that city, trying to do similar Mm -hmm. things, it felt so specific and lived in and real and, and down to like, you know, watching him play piano on a rug in New York theater workshop, like Mm -hmm. for half the movie, like that's, that put me in a, in that space. Like that's, that's a place I go like that. Mm -hmm. It felt specific and lived in, in that way. And I loved that. It did feel lived in is a really good word for it. It feels like a real place. It really felt like someplace you could go, even when it got into the sort of high fantasy sequences. I mean, not even like the swimming pool, but like the Michael's apartment. Mm-hmm. Number, I mean, it's just like, you know, great old fashioned Broadway movie musical kind of stuff. It still felt very authentic. There was obviously a lot of like there are a couple sets they built for this, notably the Moondance Diner. But um, it also felt very located. I mean, shooting in Shakespeare and company like that, I really, it was like the beginning. I really I said to my wife, I'm like, God, that must have been a pain in the ass because those shelves <laughs> are close together. Like that is oh, a the, narrow. No, that narrow was the area. strand. That oh, was the strand. Yeah. I'm sorry, the strand. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the strand. But either way, that's a very, but, like, yeah, those t- that's a small shell, bookstore. I mean, yeah. honestly, that's just a super spreader event. <laughs> well, true. And that's, yeah. yeah. And that's, yes, that's the, the sort of, I, you know, I didn't feel any COVID panic in this. I wonder if it's because it's set in the past, but like I didn't feel. Probably, yeah. I've, I've had a few of those watching movies that are more contem- contemporary and being like, but this didn't we, incur that for me. Because it's so set in the past mm-hmm. and because it starts with like the VHS sort of. Right. Of the feel of it all. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And because we're talking about AIDS a lot within it. Yeah. Um, which is very fascinating that so many of the theater kids think that Jonathan Larson is a gay man who died of AIDS. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that uh, is fascinating to me. I will say this film does overcompensate a little bit for it with the. Uh... No, but Jonathan is straight. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it's every right. three seconds. Every t- yes. But it is. But we, OK, we get. Did you say. Somebody put on Twitter, Robbie. I don't know if it was you or not. I don't think, but, but somebody put on Twitter that John Jonathan Larson is your is the the straight kid in music theater who listened. Was this sort nope, of like that was not the, me? The, yeah, okay. I don't remember who it was. If it was, it might have been it might have been Rob uh, Schneider, your your other half. But uh-huh. uh, it was that kind of like attributing to like he was the specific kind of friend that people had who like paid attention to what everybody was saying and you know floated comfortably in and out of the world and Mm -hmm. he that also felt very authentic to me in this in this movie that this sort of community he has around him i liked the little i mean i mean the number of nods in this damn thing yeah. So mm-hmm. let's talk about Sunday for a second. Then. Please. <laughs> let's please. Let's please oh talk about Sunday. Everybody else's favorite part of this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know. 
I I really don't know how I feel about Sunday. I enjoyed it a lot. I have no idea how I feel about that sequence. <laughs> Sorry, but what is not to like? It was just. I don't know if it. I mean, I, first of all, don't change a thing. Is my my for like the, the, the these complaints these complaints are minor, but I really was just like I don't know if this is too far or if it doesn't go far enough. I love. I will say that there was a moment where I was like, "Gosh, where is this going?" And then when. Adam Pascal and Wilson Hermeda and um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Daphne, Daphne. Urban Vega came Another out good as year the homeless for her people. Musicals. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. And then I, that's the moment where it kind of won me over. Finally, I was like, okay, all right, we are in like total excess. That's fantastic. Like we've hit mm-hmm. this. Huge. It was just. I think maybe it's because I recognized everybody. It just felt like so sure. many cameos in that sequence, which is the point, obviously. But yes. My question, and listen, when Burnett Peters appeared in that hat, yeah. if you don't think I did not cry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't know real. anything about me. Um, <laughs> but did you find some some things in Sunday are weird in that, like, there's Beth Malone in her fun home yes. costume. And there's Pippa Sue and um, Renee Elise Goldberry yeah, doing, doing the, like, when, the Skyler Sister arms. It was, it was like, when they did arms. the Sister arms. And yes, you're right. Seeing Beth Malone in costume. Seeing- and are we su- meant to believe that Jonathan Larson paved the way for these other later musicals? That's like, what he I is, took from like, it. Is that what you took from That's it? the Jesusifying of mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan right there, right? But Making him a deity. I don't think it's false. I don't, hmm. whether or not that was his intention, whether, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think, you you can't escape the fact that his death means something different than the show would mean if he was alive. And, mm-hmm. and I think, so yeah. it doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not about how good the, like the work is or, or I don't know, rehashing rent or, or any of it, but, I mean, it's it's true. I just think it's true. And also, I don't know. The cameos were just a fun. Most people won't get it. It was for a subset of people, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Thank you for giving this to a subset of people." In which, of which I, I mean, the whole part. thing is a Valentine, yeah. right? To yeah. musical theater at large. But it's not a but, saccharine one. That was, I think, no. that was my my thing. Was like I was enjoying the cameos, like because they those cameos ticked me, ticked my brain in a way that like the writers' center cameos didn't. For some reason, oh, when it's like everybody who's written a musical ever, you know, is in mm-hmm. in in the house yeah. there, and I, you know, part of it might have been honestly, Robbie brought this up. It might have been the costuming. It might have been that for a moment we seem to not be in before the fantasy really kicked in. You've got Brian Stokes Mitchell in that great suit, but it's a very contemporary look, and you've got, um, I mean, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, and this is terrible, but Hermes from, uh, come on, help me. Oh, Andre. Uh, yes, Andre Shields. Shields. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Mm-hmm. Dressed like himself. I mean, like perfectly yeah. like himself in a, mm-hmm. in delivering impeccable dialogue. I mean, I really love, this isn't a math problem. That's such an amazing line. But <laughs> right. It, it, it is um, like, it, it, th- I think that might've been, maybe it just went a little far too soon. I'm not sure. This is such a nitpick. It doesn't make any damn difference. Sunday you know I mean? is Jonathan Larson's fantasy sequence. And this mm-hmm. is kind of Lin-Manuel Miranda's fantasy Version of sequence that, yeah. on top of the fantasy of sequence. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is silly it's unabashed it's fun and this song is already ridiculous it's already yes, just song another song very, so very why silly. not yes but also true. like sunday in sunny the park with george in the second act if you recall mm-hmm. they all bow to the creator at the end of that song which always mm-hmm. makes me weep like a sure right two-year-old mm-hmm. right 
And so this is Lin Manuel Miranda's bow. bow to really, the yeah, that's saying, true. Thank you for this, right? That's when true. he pushes down the diner, and they're there, uh, and Cheetah Rivera or not? Well, Cheetah's yeah, there, Cheetah's there, but yeah, yeah. BB's there in a negligee, and you're like, right. oh, right, yeah. yeah. But you, there are people who are going to see this and be like, why is Lilith from Cheers wearing right. a nighty? <laughs> right, a hundred percent, hundred percent. It's not for them. No. <laughs> somebody in the chat asked if Jasmine. Uh, 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 from Hamilton was also there. She is not. However, oh, there is Renee. a tiny Easter egg oh. of um, Michaela Diamond in in the scene the the scene where he's a uh, what what a focus group guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Michaela Diamond's wearing a name tag that says Peggy. Has a little <laughs> oh, nod. Oh, I, I did not notice see that. that. One. Yeah. Can I? Oh, also, like, so the number of listicle articles that have come out, like, in the last three days have obviously been horrifying. But the one that made me the angriest that was like, there was some, I might have been on Slate, was like, all the Broadway cameos in, in, in tick tick boom, like, all the Uh cameos in there. Daniel Furland, not, not mentioned. And I was livid. I was yeah. absolutely livid. I'm like, that oh, is Little Red. And that, she was great. That whole fucking... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just... It, it, it was... It, so, like, I guess part of, like... Part of my issue comes just out of... Uh, with. I mean, this is only with that sequence. But, Serena, you're absolutely right that, like, the song is nuts. It's a self-referential song inside of this thing mm-hmm. that, that also... That references a lot of things that this audience isn't necessarily going to get. Like, the, exactly. the bits that he's singing in that bit. So, yes, why not put three hats on top of that hat and just go for broke in this... But I really like... I mean, the meta, meta, meta moment in this movie for me is actually when they're watching Sunday in the Park with George on TV. (laughs) And I'm just like, here we have a Pulitzer Prize winning, one of the 10 Pulitzer Prize winning musicals being watched by a person Mm -hmm. who's going to write one of the Pulitzer Prize winning musicals being directed in real life by someone who wrote another one of those Pulitzer Prize winning musicals. Mm -hmm. And it's this amazing little triangle in that moment of like, and I like the the, the, the only line in it being like, how does he do that? (laughs) And every Sondheim musical should be on PBS. (laughs) Every Sondheim musical should be on PBS. Mm -hmm. This is a great start. But also so smart to show that before the Sunday scene, oh, yeah, sort of set that up context. for the viewer. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. You have to because people wise. Like, like, yes, very wise. And but also and, yes, more Sondheim on PBS, please. And also, it wasn't set up in a way where where necessarily still everyone's going to get it. Like you have to be paying attention. It's yeah. there if you oh, need it, but it's not handed to you on a platter. Like yeah. right. This movie yeah. demands you pay attention. This movie is is, yeah. is never going to stop and wait for you to catch up it is just an absolute and it was w- another funny thing that happens we sat down to watch this and we looked at the runtime of whatever two hours and six minutes whatever it said on netflix and my wife was like okay well yeah. we'll watch we'll watch until we can't like we'll be fall asleep and we'll stop we watched the whole thing we've not even <laughs> didn't even realize like how much time had gone by mm-hmm. i and went to see it in theaters because i'm a good person oh did you I oh man i did i, I, I did that. i can't do did that. you see it at the paris uh i saw the quad cinema in new york I'm in I'm in Astoria, so I was uh, I was desperately trying to get there, but nothing was working because we were recording Carolina Change last right, week. Right? Yeah, I know. Nobody had time. Uh, well, what else were you I doing? I desperately Robbie? wanted to. What else? What? what? else are you doing with your time? Oh, we're just rehearsing. Right. Um, watching. Oh, do you have, tick, a, do you have, a, do you have a show you. at Birdland coming up? Is that? Is yeah. I um, really honestly thought on Monday, kids. I thought Robbie the whole time I was watching it when he goes when he keeps talking about the workshop. And, yeah. and everybody's like, oh, do you have a workshop 
coming up? Like, yeah. what is it? I was, I was sort of like, oh man, I wonder if we can work in a running joke with Robbie of like, oh, do you have a show at Birdland coming up on Monday? Well, That's interesting. friends, bring it up. I have a show at Birdland. I don't know if you've listened <laughs> to me ever do a dis- socially distanced Tuesday. Um. <laughs> oh man, Back remember Throwback Thursday? I do. Okay, so, um, what did you think about? the weaving in and out of like the girlfriends and um who's what's that actress's name Alexander Shep. Alexander yeah. um and then like her and vanessa hudgens sort of crossing streams at times i was sort of surprised they put vanessa hudgens in this movie in such a small part mm-hmm. yeah mm. like a cameo yeah extended cameo kind of yeah yeah i sort of assumed that they would give her all of come to your senses and at least that would justify like Mm -hmm. putting Mm -hmm. her i do think it was very wise to make it a duet but yeah yes i fully agree i was like oh my god you're an under five and tick tick boom but it's right well and i thought they might play up the like thing that i found in the libretto of like which i knew happened that like there's a sort of flirtation there and they Mm kind of just nixed that whole plot line Mm-hmm. That really, I think the I think the smart thing of the usage of Vanessa Hudgens is that she is aside from I mean, who is besides Andrew Garfield? Who are the most recognizable movie people in this movie? Vanessa Hudgens. She's number two. She's currently right, which is why I thought she would have more to and do. And Lin Manuel Miranda. And Lin Manuel Miranda, right? As the diner cook. As the diner cook, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, if you go on Netflix right now, at least if, if I do, Vanessa Hudgens is the the icon for this movie. It's her face. Why not cast oh. her as Susan? Well, I think because yeah. she overpowers it. Mm-hmm. I think that when you see her at the beginning in with Joshua Henry, like they're in the backup band and they're doing the, like, it's a good setup for the fact that she's going to be singing backup in this movie. But also she feels like an actress in this movie. You know what I mean? Like she has mm-hmm. that presence. Mm-hmm. She feels like, oh, I'm I'm in the workshop. I'm in his back. Like I'm one of his performers. I'm yeah. not his romantic. Intro- I'm not in that sphere. And right. Su- one of the so Susan was an interesting character to me because of the way she kind of was. She was so understated in the script mm-hmm. and in the performance. Mm-hmm. It was very very understated, and. Yeah. She sort of floats in and out, which is, I think, very purposeful because, like, we keep forgetting she's there because Jonathan keeps forgetting she's there. And that's part I, of the problem. So, I know. think that might be a generous read to me. Oh, okay. Sure. I don't know if she – I sort of figured we might make a little more of the fact that he forgets she's there. I don't know that I sided with her in the way this movie portrayed her. Like, mm. she – she she takes this job or she agrees to this job theoretically without telling him. She mm-hmm. like steps away from the party he threw her and kind of offhandedly tells him and then works it in again when they're having sex and then tells him he has to give her an answer the week of his big workshop, yes. shows up to his rehearsal and is like, take a break so we can have a big life talk. Right. I was like, he's got a workshop. Right. And that's Yeah, Jonathan crazy. Larson is like, I can't, I'm in tech. Well, but also- If I had something going on, I'd be like, can we hang on a second? You told me this last week. Like, this is a lot. Well, and you know, I mean, obviously, Sarita, your boyfriend's in the business, so it's a little different. But like, yeah. my wife would know- not to talk to me about something like that when we're going into tech. Like she, it just wouldn't, 
we've you know also she's I'm in she's business. an artist she too would know. yeah she like, should know yes exactly the smart right thing that they do with her is show that she is a dancer yes um which they don't they talk about it in the show right but they never show it so when they show her in like the dance group and stuff i was like oh this is smart but you're right uh serena and you also just described half of the plot of the last five years in three <laughs> seconds and that's but at least that character gets a little more due like at mm-hmm. least you get to feel a little more of what she's feeling i it was harder for me to sympathize with that character because I don't think they wrote her to, to, into a very reasonable position. Well, she, she, and I don't think we got her perspective a lot, really. She does yeah. end up. You're not meant to, though. You no, know, I think she's ultimately meant to represent something in the plot. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 the characters, one of the, sort of the failings, I think, of the screenplay is that the characters do devolve into representations of different kinds of artistic creative people mm-hmm. that you see what Jonathan's opinion about people like Jonathan tells us that Michael's a, was a really great actor yep. who gave it up to do finance and he tells us that Susan was a, is like the most incredible artist as a dancer he's ever seen but and I, I love that monologue he has about her where he describes like her but like that she so she's the incredible talent who doesn't love the grind and Michael is the the actor who isn't as good as like John. Like he knows who he is. He knows he's not great, and he knows he wasn't cut out for it. So he that's why he falls away, and sort of setting up the idea that like in order to succeed, you have to be good at it, but you also have to love the process. Like to a certain extent, you have to be driven by this other thing that is ineffable. You can't really like mm-hmm. it, it. It's not even loving the game. You just have to be like you can't do anything else. This is the thing you have to do. And so all the characters kind of ultimately become cogs in that machine. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of like in that theme that we're building towards there at the end when they start to fall away. I mean, that's yes. But we get a little more of a window into Robin Jesus. Like, I yes. think that we get I think that character gets more due than it gets a song. He gets a, I mean, what he gets is an early song. Like she doesn't have a song yeah, early right. on to give us. She something. used to, but yeah. I, but it's gone. Yes, it is. Yeah, been, which I think is to to. I, I think the movie also does that thing that movies will often do when a couple's going to end up breaking up, which is they prepare you for it almost from the moment you see her. 100%. That like she's standing over here, she's looking away, kind of wistfully, like oh these people aren't going to like don't don't get <laughs> but too they attached. Sort of made yeah. the very interesting decision to like he seemed very in love with her in the movie. He yeah. didn't seem done with her. Yeah. And yes, because she he was sort of seemed She sort of seemed done with him. I feel like in the show you get a little more of a sense that like he's elsewhere mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. this isn't priority. Whereas I, I think they really turned her into like the tragic love of his life in this movie. Yes. Yeah, that is that feels is like true. a mistake. I, yeah, I feel like she was she her yes, that is very true. I got she, a little bit I don't know if this is fair, but I got a little bit the sense of maybe and this is like deification you were worried about, mm-hmm. not wanting to give him too many flaws. I think maybe you mm-hmm. can look at that and ascribe that to him if you mm-hmm. feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I you know like I think that's one way to do that is making her like his real true love that he's like trying to do right by as opposed to like Someone who wants something from him that he's too distracted to give. To give, yeah. Like, that was a way of, in some ways, letting him off the hook, which, yeah, I was on his side in, in this movie more than I thought I would be. <laughs> and it does end in that sort of, like, scene that you've seen in other things of her being like, I just wanted you to ask me to stay, which is, 
Yeah, but I was like, communicate yeah. that. Well, that's like, what I mean. Like, it felt it, manipulative. In this version, <laughs> yeah, it felt very. like you, mm-hmm. you just tell him what you, what are you doing? Like, just tell him he's what trying you to want. have respect for like you and your right. decision. And you're trying, like, that's what it felt like <laughs> right. in that moment. I was like, he's letting you go because you don't want to be here and he does. And you're like, no, I want you to ask to stay. I'm like, well, hang on. Like, this sounds yeah. kind of abusive a little bit, like, <laughs> and bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, it really did feel yeah, like... I don't think we up, had a whole like, lot of sympathy for her as a movie. No, and the, I don't I think, think the movie wanted you to either. Yeah. yeah. And and because uh, Andrew Garfield is so charming as an actor, yeah. um, you get away with a lot more, I think, mm-hmm. than if somebody else was in the role. Well, I think yeah. that's why one of the reasons Lin-Manuel said he cast him was just because yeah. like, I think that he knew Andrew Garfield's presence will do a lot of the heavy lifting and mm-hmm. then we can get away with some of this like shortcomings of this character of this Jonathan Larson character that we've written who <laughs> this guy this guy over uh, here. <laughs> um we need to talk about Robin DeJesus yes love him getting three-time his, Tony Award nominee yes. Robin DeJesus getting his just future Golden Globe nominee for this performance uh, in, a, in a musical or no, well, no Golden Can Globe I supporting just... actors hard to get to get the green because it's just the one that's <laughs> true oh. Can I just say and maybe this is jumping ahead too far was not happy with the treatment of real life. No? Oh. No. Really? Really? First of all, because, first of all, they cut most of it, and that should be his big song, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I want to see him specifically do. And it was, that was a, I was not emotionally affected by, that was probably one moment in the show where I was like, "Mm -mm, watching him throw papers to the floor in slow motion is not doing it for me. (laughs) I did, I will say, I was like, oh, this is, it's an interesting, it started very interesting where it's like time is frozen and he's doing his, doing the song. But then, yes, Mm -hmm. that shot of him, like of the papers crumpling and things falling apart. I was like, okay, we've, we've maybe pushed this a little a little too far. I thought he yeah. was just so dynamic during it. Like I really, I was but he really got like six a sixteen bar cut of real. He was complaining yeah. about getting cut uh, in the non equity calls on right. the roof, and then they did that to him in real life. <laughs> yeah, but he got paid that time. He did get paid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love oh. that song, and I wanted. See, it I made an active choice not to re-listen to this. To like come in straight, and I and I'm I wonder if I had to sort of ref- if I'd refreshed my memory if I'd have mm-hmm. thoughts like that because I've listened mm-hmm. to it since, and you're right. I was like, oh, that's right. That that verse was cut. This was changed. This is in a different place. Like I was noticing those things, but I really wanted to go into this without that sitting on my head. So I wonder. Yeah, I, it probably would have bothered me, frankly, because I do love that song and I love it on that album. Yeah. It's, it's it's so well put together. Uh, so just love Robin as a performer and so like the fact that he wasn't in like louder than words and things like that yeah that's hard for me i wish that had been a more full court press of the cast Mm -hmm. i would have loved to see bradley whitford you know actually speak louder than words kind of thing you know saying (laughs) right Um, yeah and like johnny can't decide things like that i think the choices they made made sense to sort of like center it all around andrew but yeah, I agree. I just wanted to get to see like Robin do more. Yeah, sing mm-hmm. more. We have a question in the chat from Amy. Wants to know what we thought of the actual superb, uh, superbia music. She wishes there was more of it on the soundtrack. Uh, agree, I would say. Mm. I, I was I was scouring n- the non-dark part of the web today for the ac- like a complete recording of superbia. It does not seem like one exists. I don't think one does exist. Yeah, there's a bunch of songs yeah. on it from it on the Jonathan Larson project CD. But yeah, I, it, it is 
kind of surprising to me. It doesn't exist. I have a feeling it might be coming now. But mm. uh, <laughs> um, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, at all. Not at all. Uh, I like I was actually kind of like I, I that was more of the of superbia, I think, than I'd ever heard. And I was really intrigued by it. And I, I was like, OK, this is it's clearly neophyte Larson. You know what I mean? Like, it's clearly yeah. he's, he's trying a lot in it. Um, but I have to say, hilariously, this is one of the few this is a, a huge problem with Rent that this movie actually does successfully is that both in Rent and in this in the movie version of, of Tick, Tick, Boom, we are building towards a song that he has to write. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's yes. actively part of the storyline. And in Rent, that falls apart, you know, like a badly sure made souffle. And mm-hmm. in – but in this, it works beautifully. This is maybe an unpopular opinion, but that is not one of my – that is that – is, which way? Not my song in the show. Come to your senses. Maybe no. I just heard too many tweens singing at summer camp. <laughs> oh, sure. And I just think the lyrics a little sort of inspecific in a way that like doesn't do it for me. And and that's it's hard to do that. You know what? Like I don't fault your eyes because I'm like this is a show in which maybe this Roger guy like actually isn't, isn't a that great, great of a composer, yeah. and that's fine, right? Because one song glory is that song, and right. I don't need the the song within the like the show within the show of it to be. But the good. problem is because one song glory is so good. Uh, then your eyes should at least match that. But Roger's not Jonathan Larson. <laughs> no, okay. but, but, it, is, <laughs> but it is the problem of when you spend two and a half hours building to this moment where he's mm-hmm. going to write his uh-huh. song. So could it ever be good? That's my question. Could it ever be I good don't enough? know. No, it could never be good enough. It, it just is the problem with it. I think that like I am 99% confident that if Jonathan Larson had lived, your eyes would have been replaced. Not by yeah, anything like I'm tremendous, sure right. but it feels mm-hmm. it just feels like such a yeah. moment in the show specifically, and yeah. the, and the lyrics are so first draft they feel very placeholder to me in you know your eyes as we said our goodbyes and so, like, it just doesn't sound like Jonathan Larson. Now maybe you're right, maybe he's trying to write what the song Roger would write, but mm-hmm. to quote a famous uh, not famous like an acting an acting coach I, I knew once at Stella Adler when you play a part who's playing the part you play the part the part's playing so like mm. if you're writing the song that Roger's going to write you write you write a song you don't write that's, the song you think Roger would write that's fair and I'm not trying to say that he wrote an intentionally mediocre no, song because this character <laughs> might not be good and I do think the song is mediocre to bad but there is yeah. but it just doesn't bother me for that reason because I'm sure. like, what? I don't care how how good the song is or not. The the point of that moment is that like it's something specific and meaningful about her in yeah. a way that's going to bring her back to life. Not because it's such a good rock song, she comes back to life. Like it's Thank you know. So I think people make too much of the "Your Eyes" is a bad song. But thing. Thank God he belted a B and belted her back to right. life. Right. What <laughs> a dream! It's but the belting. Your it's AIDS not the song is cured right and right. seen. But uh, but okay, we're not going to spend the rest of the show on rent. But Talking about rent, say, but, but, but the thing of it is, like, <laughs> I think you're partially your your textual reading that Roger's bad at songwriting is actually reinforced by a lot of like if you knew like the original way that show is presented that like they're they're not great artists in the text of yeah. rent. Like um, Maureen is not a great performance artist. She's mm-hmm. wacky, but like mm-hmm. I've seen that performance done where she's sort of like 
over the top, not quite sure of herself, like way in over her head. And it's hilarious and it's wonderful. And I've seen it done where she is a like a genuine artist with things to say and it falls flat. There's a yeah. there's a text. The rent is like skirting a line a lot that most stagings of it, just like hair, actually, Serena, I think you would agree. It ends up being like a costume show about people in the 90s instead of being like, yeah. no, no, these are people who aren't saints. They're just people who make bad like write some okay songs and they do yes. some okay performance art and like their humanness is what makes rent so great i totally to make those characters work so it's all in how you stage it i think i think you could effectively stage your eyes and i would i would be like yeah that's pretty good that works for me in that and, moment. and yeah. come to your senses for being a song that in this version was written 12 hours before the show and mm -hmm. uh learned an hour before yeah like but and and that actually honestly like not fixed but you know, come to your senses being like, I had to write the one great song and it was come to your senses. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, fine. I don't need it to be the greatest. I don't need it to be my favorite song. I know that for a lot of people it is, but. Yeah. I I think that one, because like Superbia, we do not know anything about it except that it's like the future and outer space. And so right. you're on the air and I'm underground yeah. lyrics, right? Right. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it could be Star It just we becomes like a belt fest, mm -hmm. uh, which. <laughs> Give me Karen Olivia just like standing on a stage screaming, especially yeah. after listening to Lin Manuel sing for two hours. Wonderful. What a dream. Thank you so much. Uh, in the original production, Amy Spanger sang it, and then the light shifted as like you saw Raul's John, like, go, oh, oh my God, I, I've actually written something good. Mm -hmm. And uh, she also matched her, her like, singing energy came down like she shared that space so beautifully with raul in that moment um it was it was oh, wonderful but it all the, yeah. one of the things that and like i say this is that thing where the movie finally reveals sort of what it's been all about and serena why i'm so glad i asked you to, to be here tonight is because this is really ultimately a movie about writing mm -hmm. and what yeah. it is to be a writer and the scene that made me cry in this movie is um, Judith Light. You're going to say Judith Light. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. Because I was not – it really – this movie really fooled me with, like, what that character was going to be like and what that arc was going to be like. And I was like, oh, here's Judith Light doing her thing. She's great. We love her. It's all good. You know, she's playing the agent who doesn't really know him. We get a oh lot of God, mixed so messages brilliant. about how good she is, you know, as an agent. She's so funny. And it's all, I love the fact where, this, where she doesn't recognize him at the, <laughs> uh -huh. at, at the actual reading. is great. But that moment where she just takes off her glasses and tells him the truth mm -hmm. is so powerful. Mm -hmm. well, and also, like, yeah. you can feel the pain in her of all of the failures yes, she's witnessed yes. over her like long career. And she did that so beautifully. Like you can feel her pain at having to sort of destroy a lot of people's dreams or watch them be destroyed. Yeah. And same with um, uh, Danny Burstein and Judy Kuhn as John's parents. Oh my God, that broke my heart yeah. in a thousand pieces. That was oh, man. beautifully devastating. It was. It was so good. Danny Burstein asking him, are you getting paid for this? Is just one of the like, <laughs> mm -hmm. he does it. It's a really hard line. And he does it in a way that is like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that you're not getting paid. Mm -hmm. But I would really like for you to be getting. Are you getting paid? You know, like just because yeah. mm -hmm. it, it's it's sort of like he's trying to judge how cool this is. He's like, this is a Broadway studio. Like we're in a real spot. Are you getting, <laughs> are you getting paid? 
No? Okay, we're not right. there yet. Okay, damn. And it's a genuine question that a parent would not <laughs> uh-huh. know the answer to. <laughs> yes, absolutely not. And, yeah. and it liquid- is, personally, I think, sad that the answer when you do some a writer's workshop is no, oh. that other people are getting paid for their time, but yes. you are not getting paid fact, for he's your lost, time in the room. By my estimation, he's lost, what, $100 on the musicians alone <laughs> for, mm-hmm. this, for this thing? Yeah. The he, liquid use, uh, the liquid use of Judy Kuhn, yes. just <laughs> grinning at you rang. so supportively. Uh, yes. Give it to oh, me, Fosca Hantas, every day of the week. I love her so much. Well, and the anyway. fact that it's—I mean, not to even get too metatextual—and I know the movie didn't intend this, but that it's Danny Burstein. Yeah, I know. You know I, mean, I know. In this moment, talking to his son, who you like, character of his son, who you know is going to die, it is just yeah. like, oh my god, like for real, uh-huh. like, you really had to yeah. do that to me today, <laughs> movie, like seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, yeah, it, it was just absolutely leveling, and I really liked the. Uh, uh, so actually, here's an interesting question. So, w- the one thing this movie had to do from a historical standpoint that I think is hilarious is that it had to actually. Usually, when you have a thing of like, here's here's a Stephen Sondheim is the great writer, Jonathan Larson is the future great writer. Like, we're going to create a relationship that didn't really exist, or we're going to create some moments that didn't happen to sort of link them together. But the movie actually had to diminish the truth. Like, they were in way more contact than the movie actually. Like, he right. was he was Sondheim's assistant on Into the Woods. They corresponded mm-hmm. regularly. Through yeah. mail for years, they like Sondheim would absolutely have come to all his stuff. Like there was something they had a they had a working relationship, and it's just really funny. Like I think the movie made the right choice to bring it back because it, it, it just makes a lot more dramatic sense. But it's just so funny to me that like of all the the historical stuff in the movie, it'd be like, did they really know each other? Yeah, like a lot better than the movie actually portrayed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It felt like they made the choice to make whatever that relationship was seem like it began with that workshop. Like, Which, you know, you hit yeah. the voicemail and you're like, okay, maybe you're about to apprentice someone. Yeah. Which it very certainly may have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, That's true. Because like, we don't know the timeline. He would have met. He would have met either through uh, either through the work the BMI workshop and that Richard Kind character is based on Charles Strauss. <laughs> is that who that is? I love oh, that. Yeah. I loved that scene. That I love Richard. Guy. We're saying perfect. the same thing. We're talk- We're saying basically the same thing. Oh my Am god! Am I bad at singing and acting? <laughs> <laughs> that is the per- they use the perfect amount of Richard Kind in this movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Which, a little flavor. What it's perfect. Oh, it's but, so um, good. Like they would have met there, or they would have met through Ira Weitzman and Playwrights Horizons, right? Because that's right. where Sunday in the Park with George began, right? So that makes perfect makes sense. absolute sense. Yes, and I think it's uh, it's true. Well, I have to share. Let me see if I can share some screen here because I have to. Yes, please. So I. I, I, there's a very famous photograph of Stephen Sondheim and Jonathan Larson from some reception. I don't know if it's like the, if it's the Sondheim Awards when Jonathan Larson actually won a Sondheim Award, like even before this, this movie takes place, um, mm-hmm. for his song Hosing the Furniture, which is, I think, his best song. But it's on the Jonathan Larson the project, Jonathan Larson and you should. Which is a song I've listened to. I mean, if you check my IT, like I've listened to it forty-seven times. It's a remarkable <laughs> piece of music. It's just incredible. Weird that that's not something from songs from Inside My Locker, Love It Finds Sense Fifty Four Below. I am Available singing stuff from Broadway that records. at Birdland. Oh, do you have a show at Birdland? On- <laughs> do you have a show? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me see if I can share this. Great. All right. So, but I found recently. Uh, who can share? One participant can share. Why am I doing that? Sorry. You're doing great, babe. I'm doing fantastic. Okay, here we go. So I found recently that there are several photographs from that um, event, 
uh, obviously, because there was a photographer there, including this one, uh, which really blew my mind. Can you see this picture? <laughs> yeah. So here's Jonathan Larson. Uh huh. Here's Stephen Sondheim. And yeah. here is friend of the podcast, Doug Cohen. <laughs> Oh, author wow. of no uh no way to treat a lady and no, yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. gig and um uh you know i mean several musicals we've talked about and one with douglas carter bean that may or may not be coming out in the near future and mm-hmm. uh yeah it was just a, oh and uh, evolution of man that's the more, most recent one of yeah, yeah and this just absolutely knocked me down <laughs> like wow. this photograph absolutely that exists just absolutely floored me in, in because it was a real I mean Doug's a friend of the podcast he's a friend of mine to be like oh wow I'm like two inches removed from this picture that's <laughs> mm-hmm. remarkable and I love that sometimes taking a drink I just think that's great okay. like I'm not why listening. not and I guarantee you that suit is brown <laughs> of course it is he still wears that outfit today uh-huh. that's absolutely true oh speaking of screen sharing I got that to work so let's let's let, take a quick jump into fun land for a little bit <gasps> yeah, and talk about fun. Uh, Walter Bloom, Sharon. Walter Bloom was Charles Strauss, as according, according to Ryan. yes. Um, that's uh, Richard Kind's character. Uh, he's the guy sitting next to. We're saying the right. same. Well, I don't know what the story is. I don't know what to care about. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. That's I a really, pretty good Richard Kind. I love doing Richard Kind's voice is so much fun. He's, he's oh man. And uh, I actually think that it's the converse. Oh wow! You tell the story right. very well, yeah. and you're, you you the well, tune yeah. is terrific. Yes, the, the the tunes are very catchy. Yes, of course, but the <laughs> lyrics are just all over the place, and you got to I disagree. And <laughs> I well, okay, feel some some of the lyrics are quite are quite good. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and Good. that's Tick Tick Boom. It's Thanks this, so much. All, 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 to do, a, do an impression of Richard Kind, all you have to do is do Nathan Lane and then eliminate the restraint. And you've got, <laughs> you've got Richard Kind. Um, but well, I have was, some screenshots here that we want to talk about because I will tell you what, my like a sequence in this movie that I just I thought was made, again, for, for fans of music theater is the play game sequence, mm. uh, mm-hmm. which is just so much fun uh, and includes... Just some of the best. I'm just going to share the sc- the whole screen Do it. because it makes it much easier to look at these lovely screen grabs I got here. So, what have we got here? Let's see. Sharing. All right. So, we've got. Can everybody see the? Yes. The, okay. So we've got Gypsy again. Again, which is great. Perfect. Irrelevant. Winner of Forty Second Street. Yeah. Like four. I think it says fifteen Tony Awards. Yeah. Uh-huh. This one's the first one. I was like, "What do you know? What this is, Robbie? A new play starring that guy from that television show? So you'll like it." Uh, <laughs> the font looks super familiar. The font is wildly familiar. Yeah. Um, also, this this song was like the one song that really didn't do it for me in the uh, yeah the show. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it sort of looks like Anna in the Tropics. The the mm. logo for that that uh, Daphne Rubin Vega was in, but uh, it also looks like it could be later years. Um, uh, Neil Simon, yeah, hmm. but it was probably like seminar. I'm waiting for the Playbill article <laughs> about what all these these things are. All right, so now we yeah. have a mediocre movie and now a mediocre musical. I don't know if this <laughs> this specifically looks like anything in particular. Um, uh, it was probably Jen's Guide. Oh, okay. Which is based on kind hearts and coordinates. Right. And then we have over yeah. here, which you don't really get to see. I love the, there's another shot of the other half of it. Uh, I uh-huh. love the Hirschfeld-esque drawings to be the, this is just called Anything by Neil Simon, which is just <laughs> perfect. 
perfect in every way. Uh, white yeah. people arguing about marriage is pretty are, great. Yeah. That's pretty. That's I gotta say. Like I feel I feel attacked and seen at the same time. Yep. Um, <laughs> it is pretty. It's pretty great. I don't know if I've seen this poster somewhere before. Oh, for sure. This it, it looks like a Woody Allen sort of play. Yes, that starred Charles or, or, Roden on Broadway for some reason. Right. Good. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just like yeah. It's so good. And the other half when you see the other t- uh, the, what do we got here? Okay, so that's the we've seen those. There's the other anything. half of anything. Yeah. Simon. Um, we got oh now here's the real this is the this is the joy so this picture this actually looks like the real thing to me by Tom Stoppard oh yeah but like that's not what the bottom half looked like so I like the mix of it being uh-huh. like two different things we have Shakespeare yeah. does it even matter which one S- old songs you already like what is this this heart neon thing looked very familiar to me as well <laughs> it it gives me like a head over heelsy sort of situation is it but... oh what's the um what's the Tommy Tune Twiggy musical. Oh, my one and only. Is that? I'm getting no. Kind of, because, no, it's well, not right. Yeah, it's, no, no, because that's them in top hat. I thought it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, I nice work if you like get it. Jukebox musical, just kind of generic, uh, but like of pop songs, because that's what that neon gives me. Right. It's pop music. You'll like it. You'll love it. Beehive right. kind of vibes to it. <laughs> oh, like a leader of the pack. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. Now I think it will come. I, I hope that if whenever you uh, notice that they perfect. realize which Chess. one of these posters I want. I want this on my goddamn wall. I love British Megan love Musical. British Megan Musical. So the quote says it's a oh what is it? It's a grand master of a show. That's what yep. it says. I couldn't get Ideal. it in the freeze frame. But it is yes, I want this. I laughed for I missed like the rest of this song because I was laughing so hard at British Mega Musical. And that above above the sort of stage door there, that's true. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay, mm. the Truman. Who was that? That was Robert Morse, right? Robert Morse. Yeah. Robert Morse in True. I wonder if that was what was actually at the shoe. Probably the booth. That would probably be the booth. Yeah, that is the booth on that side. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. Gives you the full Shakespeare one. God, that's good. Yeah, it is just like man, did I love that? Love that so much. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so I obviously thought of Jake too, Serena, who did chess. Oh yeah, I would really like to buy him British Mega Musical the poster. He would love it. So perfect! It is such a well designed like everything about it is is just is just perfect for that that joke for me. Um, (laughs) Yes, I would love if anyone wants to send me British British Mega Musical, please. I will hang it proudly on my wall. Yeah, I will pay top dollar. So one hundred percent. Everything about that sequence was Chef's kiss, except for the song. (laughs) <laughs> but I thought the song I had fun with see, it. I actually liked it because it was it was also again this is a ex, that is one of the most well directed musical sequences because I love how much Lin Manuel knew those music videos like with the he even used bad green screen where you have a sort of like <laughs> artifacting on the edges like where things like get kind of caught like like it's happening behind me right now at the Moon Dance uh, constantly um, yeah. It, it doesn't quite work. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of, mm-hmm. it, and it's just like auto replacement. I love the people dancing like on the green screen and they're, they're tilted at this angle, but the street is level. I mean, it's all, this is my, you know, early MTV that I was exposed to. And I just loved, I, I, I guess, I, I mean, the, the, the song was what it was, but I really liked the way it was put. To, no, I think it was great. I think it was the way it was put together. I love the button that they go to the cat's auditions and he's here to oh, audition sure. for the role of old Deuteronomy. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was, yeah, that was just, that was great. That that felt very, very, very sweet to me. What were some, uh, but I did want to ask you, did you have any famous, aside from Sunday, which we've already talked about and that sequence, were there cameos and or moments that really made you jump up and down that you remember? Oh, 
Um, I mean, I'm always thrilled to see my friend Laura. Yes. Oh mm. man, Laura Benanti was so good. Come on. Her She's and, so funny. I really love I love her and the finance guy. The finance mm-hmm. guy at the party is Oh, Ryan Vasquez. Is is yeah. just like the writing of those two characters who like it's that thing it's a little bit cocky. But it's very true in my experience when you have like people who are in quasi creative fields meet people who are actually in creative, like big creative fields. And they're just like, where are you getting this stuff from? Like, you're an abs- you're a genius for that sequence. The, the the finance guy just like loving everybody, thinking Jonathan Larson's hilarious. Being like the songs are mm-hmm. like, that was amazing. Like, it's all they're they're almost in tears and tick, tick, boom. It was so, in the in the actual like in the show right. within the show. Uh, yeah. God, it was so good. <laughs> I, I thought she was brilliant, and uh, so was um, Daniel Furland, was just yeah. so funny. Yeah, that sequence was wonderful. Ugh. God, she's perfect. You know who's I saw not- her as the baker's wife once. Oh, really? Into the woods. Yeah, no. in Baltimore. She'd be good at that. She was excellent. Yeah. Lauren Kennedy was the witch, and that was a choice. But uh, Daniel Furland was magnificent. She'd be a good baker's wife. I think that. I really yeah. was like, so somebody who stuck out to me because I thought it was supposed to mean more than I think it did is Joanna Adler. Who plays the the character's name is Molly? She's the one who, when he sells his records, mm, and she mm-hmm. takes back he yeah. takes back the Godspell, yeah. And she's like, "Oh, he's taking back the Godspell." And I was like, "Oh, she must have been in Godspell originally." Got it doesn't seem like it. She's just, I mean, she's an Obie Award winning actress. She's been in everything, um, but it felt it was one of those. I think I was reading too deep into the cameo for for a, for a probably second. yeah. It didn't it didn't quite land. Uh, um, somebody's asking who Danielle Furlan played. She oh. was in the focus group. She was the blonde woman who goes, "Oh yes, yes." Uh, at, in a response to something, and it was so just fun. It was so, so funny. Which when she says, she also repeats one of the things what the guy says, which just switches the words. And yeah. Jonathan goes, "You just said what he said." She goes, "I switched the words in this great, like, very tense sort of moment." Yeah, yeah. she's sitting next to him yeah. in the uh, free oil, oil free, oil free. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Chubb. Did even catch uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's dad in the? Uh, I did not hotel. I read about this it later. one. I didn't either, but yeah. I, I saw it later, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." In the uh, that was a quality cameo. I thought <laughs> well, well deserved. Um, you knew he had to be in there somewhere. Is uh, somebody asked if Raul was in it? Nobody from the original production is uh, to be seen anywhere in the mm. film, no. which uh, is an interesting choice. In, I also think that um, you know who should have had a bigger cameo, unless he didn't want one, was Roger Bart, who yeah, is in sure. the Moondance Diner, but was actually Roger, like who performed this show with Jonathan Larson and is the reason the mm-hmm. character of Roger is named Roger in Rent. He's named after yeah. Roger Bart. And I mean, he's in the diner and it's great, but like, I felt he should have been a larger part of this movie. Sure. Um, Honestly, which maybe he the, that to. whole number is about Bernadette Peters hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is Bernadette Peters hat, Cheetah Rivera's hat. Oh, Cheetah Rivera just basically looking like Angelica Houston in Smash, like she's about to throw a drink in a face and yeah. was in. She's holding it together. Felicia Rashad. Here's who the we had mixed feelings lunch. about Felicia Rashad, but otherwise it was pretty... Oh, you know, yeah. Felicia Rashad's there. Oh, yes, yeah. she Why? is. Yes. I yes. forgot. Yes. Yes, she is. She absolutely is. That that made me sit up a little straighter and be like, okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Move on. Move on. Okay. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, all of the composers in the workshop, because oh, yeah. that was the thing where I was like, 
This is for a very, very yes. small subset of people who feel the need to know how to visually uh, identify composers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Dave Malloy, Shana Taub. Like, most people aren't able to pick that out. It and was, I, that was just a warm feeling. I was, so what was so funny is I missed Jason Robert Brown, who I knew was there, but I never saw him. <laughs> I was yeah. like, because I did, again, I, I, I will him. absolutely go back and watch this. But I saw Alex Lackmore. I saw... Um, Stephen Schwartz. Stephen Schwartz. Stephen Schwartz and Stephen Jason Schwartz stands out in every everything he's mm-hmm. in. Um, I think because he's always wearing a black t shirt with his guns out, so you're just sort of like, I know, I know what he kind of looks like. He's got um, a memorable face. Always. Too. I love yeah. that Janine Tesori gets to be front and center, so we definitely Why see not? her. Also, Nick Blameyer, who played mm-hmm. uh, right John who was in the in... Uh, revival. I didn't see that revival, and but in... he was like there... the one. There was a bunch of people in that group who were in um, Nick Blameyer and. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, we're in heavily involved in the Jonathan Larson project as well. Um, oh, sure. Uh, uh, what is her? I uh, can't believe I can't. Je- not Jennifer Ashley not Tepper. Jennifer Tepper. She, which I thought we would see her for a cameo yeah. for a second. Yeah. And that's kind of weird. We didn't because she was the like historian on the film. I do wonder what's going to come out later a little bit with this being like, listen, we had so many things and so many cameos and like we just didn't have time for them all. Because yeah. this movie is so tightly put together, I have to believe there is a lot of stuff that they shot that didn't end up in it. Because Listen. it is just like um, release it. I want the director. I, I and or at least I want to see those scenes. But like mm-hmm. it is, you have to imagine there are some cameos that didn't quite make it that we'll hear about later. I liked the cameo of the Delacorte Theater. Oh, <laughs> you just enjoyed. Yes, that? when where. He, I, the only I thought thing that missing, was beautiful. I loved that. I agree. The only thing missing was like a family of raccoons walking <laughs> past in the back. <laughs> That's what it would have made yeah. it right. <laughs> that would have worked. That would have, that would have done it for you. A trumpeter outside the, the theater. <laughs> just, just a random bass and a trumpet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and also in that crowd, another six degrees of separation from, from me and Serena is Helen Park, mm-hmm. who was who was in the uh, Sam French Off Off when we, we both were there. Yes, she was. So, there oh, we go. she wrote uh, K-pop. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Yes, yeah, yeah, did. yeah, yeah. She's mm-hmm. in there. It's quite Incredible. a crowd when you read the list, and I really enjoy the fact that. And I wonder how much of this is the benefit of making it for Netflix, where you're just like, I know this is going to be streaming, and it's going to be streaming forever. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it will it will be on Netflix. You can do things like that where like people can stop. You know you can make a scene like that where you'd really just pan across. You don't have to worry about sitting on anybody. We can make right. this scene the right length. And then later people mm-hmm. can go back and look at the crowd. Later people can go back and do the – Yeah. You're counting on repeat watchings and also people's ability to freeze it and, and go I forward. I also just love that at some point somebody's going to go, is that – was that Georgia Stitt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We don't, yeah, we don't need to point to it exactly. Right. Just let it happen, and, and they're that, just there for us to stumble upon when we it, need them. Just it it's happen. just like in the last five years film when they show Jason, Robert Brown, as an audition pianist, and he, he's handed music and ha- like stares at it like he's never seen <laughs> right. Jason Robert music Brown writing music. before right. when he's the worst uh, in terms of like <laughs> terms audition of cuts. Yes. So, oh, no. chef's kiss. Never bring JRB <laughs> to, your, to your audition, kids. You heard yeah. it here first. Is that Mark Shannon? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah, is this? that's exactly. <laughs> Wait a second. Right. We find 
Is that screenwriter Steven Levinson? Apparently he's... Oh, Joe yep. Iconis is in the crowd, too, of course. Yes, yeah. I definitely recognize Famously Joe Iconis. Best friend of uh, Jennifer Ashley Tepper. I think every time I've been to 54 Below, he's in the same booth in the back at every single show. He is... Not I think he mine. lives at 54 oh. Below. None of mine. Do you will be at Birdland? <laughs> will he be at Birdland? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, you can be at Birdland on Monday night at seven o'clock <laughs> for the next one, right? Which is what it's called. That's he's not just saying that. That's what the that's show correct. Is. That is what the and it's for everybody who ever sent me a text saying I can't make it tonight, but I'll be at the next one. <laughs> well, this is the next one. We'll I have see. the receipts. We'll hold them up. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Andrew Garfield learned to play piano for this. Yes. Film. Wow. I wonder, and that's I'm shocking. always of two minds about this. I wonder how you guys feel. Like there's this, there's a school of thought. This is also one of those problems that comes from going to film school. But there's a school of thought with this sort of thing. Like you don't, you don't show the actor playing the piano or playing the guitar or whatever, like for real, because all the audience is going to think is, oh, how amazing Andrew Garfield learned to play piano for this movie, and it's going to distract from the scene. And I've thought that sometimes. There's times where I've watched movies where people are playing an instrument and I'm like, it's shot in such a way where it's like, clearly we have to make sure we, you see, we like pan straight from their face down their hands to the piano. This never did mm-hmm. that. This, I think, did it the right way, which is he learned to play the piano so we never had to worry about whether or not we were showing his hands. And then the shots mm-hmm. just felt very fluid. Natural. It felt very true, yeah, yeah to, the, to the moment. We never... You know, it didn't seem like we got to make sure he learned to play the piano. Please put the put the keyboard on. But know, also, so. f this guy who's like just already a Tony Award winning actor and Marvel star, who's like, <laughs> yeah, I think I'll just try singing and playing piano in my first movie musical. So he's not a Marvel star. I have to have to correct you there. I'm he sorry. The is old he Spider-Man's. DC? He was, he, no. Well, it, Spider-Man is a, is a Marvel. Property, it's a Marvel property. But he so his, he's a Marvel star. No, his Spider-Man's are outside of the the MCU. So he's not. Part no, of that because cow. this new one. Well, if he's in the new one, one, it'll all fold in. But so I said far. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes, I don't. Uh, I also have here that and a, and a swimmer. I can't and a swimmer. He's a very very good swimmer. Yes, he does very well. Good for him. Can you not swim, Rami? Is this what we're learning? Here? Uh, yes, I can, <laughs> but I'm not like throwing my clothes off to be on celluloid. That's not a gift. That's not for a, the that's world. not a thing for the for the whole world. I'm actually going to do it at Birdland on Monday <laughs> at seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> for all the yes, not Marvel, Sony. Thank you, Amy. Sony has the the had the Spider Man for that one. Uh, so, what is the, the the problem we have now? I think is that this movie is getting such like incredible response. It's already certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Is ninety eight percent audience response. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the backlash to Tick Tick Boom? <laughs> What's the next phase? I feel like there are people who are just over Lin-Manuel Miranda no matter what, right? There's sure, a subset yes. of people who, whatever he does... Gen Z on like, TikTok is, is, is love to troll him. Kill yourself! Right. right, yeah. Truly. Yeah. Why aren't you playing Dillamond and Wicked? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, it's the same backlash Rent gets. There's always mm-hmm. a backlash to anything anybody ever cares about. I do I think, feel, I mean, though, that yeah. this is... Because this is much less well-known than Rent, uh, that it's it's just, it's like made for us, right? It's made for nerds like us. Right. And we, like, th- there was a vitriol when Jared Hansen came out 
Yes. And here's the thing, Jeremy Hansen, the film is um it's not great, it's not life changing, but it's not terrible. Um, but I don't think you're gonna get that with this because it's made with so much love and respect for musicals and musical theater. Yeah. I wonder and a reverence. I wonder how much like what's good because like I recommended my parents see this. It was like you gotta check this out. I think you're really gonna like it. But I honestly don't know what their like if their response is going to be as deep as mine to it or if they're just gonna be like no that was really good like those songs were good and like i didn't know anything mm-hmm. about that guy and now i do and that's neat you know and like and that's gonna be it so i wonder if the sort of like once you get outside the sphere if it's just gonna have a natural sort of diminishing almost it's just like it doesn't it doesn't hang as much for people yeah. who aren't in the but in the that's thing. sort of the netflix of it is like there's a lot of content People who aren't going to have a sort of special reverence for this are going to enjoy it and move on with their lives. And that's kind of like the Netflix model. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's just enough happening that the splash it's going to make is going to sort of it's just another ripple in the giant Netflix pond. Very so maybe we I will have say all that backlash. that's true. As somebody like who watches a lot of musicals, um, Netflix never recommended Diana to me. Tick, tick, boom was like the first yes, thing. Yes. Um, so they're not buried. <laughs> no, no they, certainly they have, not. They I mean, have because, high of, Oscar because of Lynn. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If, which, if there's any backlash, probably it will have to do with him because he's sort of, he's the king of backlash right now. Yeah. 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 Which is, I, yeah. I will say, I wonder if anybody had, I mean, the the movie felt, and this didn't bother me, but the movie felt sort of designed to reach a broad enough audience that it like, I think someone could make an argument it's a little sanitized. Like, it's just very mm. sort of PG-13 rated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, mm. in a way that, like, Rent is not. Sure. Um, and you could probably argue his his real life was not. Right. Although I feel like the film of Rent is PG-13. The film of Rent is virtually mm. G. I, mean, I try not is, to think about right. that as much as I'm able. It oh, is, really? You don't I, I, enjoy I, the animated cold breath I'm, that they added? The, <laughs> I actually hilariously, Serena. I'm the same way. I kind of forget it exists. I'm I try kind, really hard because to. it is like, and is also another thing where I was just like so glad they didn't, as they did for Rent, cast the old people in the in the young people parts, where they were just like, you know, like no, we need actors to play all these characters. But except for, so what did you guys think of the answering machine message? I th- I liked that. People, I liked it because too. Because people who don't know what sometimes voice sounds like, yep. they're not going to notice. They're not going to notice it, it's not Bradley Whitford's voice. Like it's true. another Easter egg. It's just for but us. But it's also true, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That happened, and uh, that's the same recording that's used at the end of the show. Um, Didn't they but rework I'm pretty sure it? That MTI, yes, he did. That that was. Oh, he probably rewrote. Because the thing, I'm think, not sure because he's very old now. Well, yeah, that's um, the thing is his voice sounded much younger to me than it has when I've seen him on Zoom. Mm-hmm. But you can do things. You can sweeten short you know, voices. I have a feeling it's probably the recording that they used in 2001 uh, for the Off Broadway production that I'm pretty sure you can license when you license the show, mm-hmm. um, so that you don't have. Like Somebody playing Stevenson, right? <laughs> on a god mic. <laughs> so the the scuttlebutt on the internet is that it was supposed to be Bradley Whitford, and then Sondheim saw the movie and wanted to rewrite the voice message, and they couldn't get Bradley Whitford back to record it, so Sondheim recorded oh. it, which sounds wrong 
to that me. That sounds like a lot of steps. Very yeah, convoluted I don't know about story. that. I don't think that's true. I think it's probably more likely that they they had the this was the intention from the jump that like well we don't need because I can't imagine Bradley Whitford would have an ego where he'd be like no I play Sondheim in this movie all the way right. through you know <laughs> it is definitely an egoless no. performance. Yes, <laughs> his performance is I, I, again it is so lived in and so scarily accurate. I have sat next to the man yeah. several times. <laughs> I have lived next to that. But that's just what was so silly about it to me because Bradley Whitford is also a very recognizable actor. Yes. So but, just... but, so here, but not to out her too much, but my wife didn't recognize him. Really? She didn't. She knew it wasn't Sondheim, obviously. She knows mm-hmm. what he looks like. Mm-hmm. But she was just, because she, she did that thing where she was like, I know who that is. Who is that? She was like, who is that? You know, in that kind of like way. Mm-hmm. And she's seen all the episodes of the West Wing, you know, and all she knows yeah. Bradley Whitford. And I said, that's, that's Bradley Whitford. too. And when I said that, she went, oh gosh, it is, you know, it immediately mm-hmm. clicked for her. But He's so, just so yeah. himself to me. When he popped up in like The Handmaid's Tale, I was like, oh, Bradley, Bradley Whitford. Josh yeah. Lyman in The Handmaid's Tale. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this didn't feel like Josh Lyman, though, you know? Not this at all. Well, like, no. I, I don't know. Fascinating. But, it did feel like Bradley Whitford, Stephen Sondheim. It like did, it, yes. it, it didn't take someone you didn't recognize mm-hmm. and have them do that in a way yeah. that like that person disappeared. I don't think Bradley Whitford can disappear. No. You know who, I mean, a, a sort of a perfect person to play this would have been somebody like Christopher Guest, who like absolutely disappears mm. in all the parts he plays. Yeah. But having it be a recognizable actor almost fits better with this movie, which is full mm-hmm. of cameos and moments and bits. Also, he's sitting next to Richard yeah. Kind. He's got to be able to have the presence. Because <laughs> one thing Bradley Whitford does have is great presence. And yeah, yeah. so like next to Richard Kind's bombast, you know, bombastic performance, this sort of calm focus of energy, Bradley Whitford does carry that as being like, he's the mm-hmm. he's the center of the scene. He's the one everybody really wants to talk to. Yeah, And... So I think, yeah, I mean, I really love, I don't really, is it a good performance? I don't know. It's a huge swing and I love it. I love that it went that, like he went that hard, that yeah. far and that I fast. I think yeah, it's do it. I think it's Go great. I it. think it's pitch perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I, I wouldn't, no, no notes. It's fantastic. Maybe a few <laughs> notes. Maybe, I would really nope. love to know. The thing nope. I do want to know though is what was his prep like? Like what the did he The only note watch? is why is the sweater gray and not brown? <laughs> My only no. <laughs> only thought. And a big one. Why isn't his hair greasier? Is my one Why isn't the <laughs> no, part harder? <laughs> this, this is just, po- this would have oh, been a post heart attack. He, he was leaving it fluffy at the time. He had quit smoking by then. Yeah. What is, yes. What year is that workshop supposed to be, actually? Uh, hmm. I mean, well, so. He, 90. Yeah. No, 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 30, no. 30, no, 90. No, no. Well, no, wait, which, I'm sorry. We're talking about different workshops. The, there's the workshop at the end is 90. The, uh, the right. one where he meets uh, the, him for the first time with Richard Kind. That's a good question. So is oh, like he says. But, so so the bit is he's been working on this musical for eight years, and that note from Sondheim kept him going for another two. So so eighty uh, eight, maybe eighty five, maybe yeah. So we're, but it's post signing the park with George Sondheim. Yeah. We're dealing with like maybe which pre well into the that would have been eighty seven. So that's into the woods. Yeah, into the woods. Sondheim. Well, no, into the woods. It's eighty nine. Opposite no, Phantom of the Opera. 87. Opposite Phantom of right. the Opera. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Friends, I don't know everything, but reference. if you want to know what I do know, come to Birdland <laughs> on Monday. I'm now looking this up out of deference to you, but I am right. <laughs> I won't. 
November 5th, 1987, opening day. There you uh, go. You just wanted to really nail it in. I did, yeah. Well, I guess it is opposite, opposite, uh, opposite fan of the opera. It's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. So it's somewhere in the mid eighties. It's mid eighties sometime. Yes, you're right. So the hair doesn't need to be the the, no. the sort of it's, it's not as merrily company. Right. We just washed our hair in full extra virgin olive oil and threw in some avocado oil just to just like really flavor. just well just to give it, it to give the people something to smell. You know, he's he's a considerate man. He, he thinks, he's a giver. He's a giver. Yes, he, he is. is. He is. He's well, when he converted giver. the basement and added a shower. Now, um, hey, now, we're not going to talk about Stephen Sondheim's alleged basement on this podcast. I will, I will not have it. There's a washer and a dryer down I there. Will not. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, yeah, Serena, go ahead. I want to know if, if there were songs that, uh, that had a treatment you weren't into or songs you missed or songs that you especially loved or if if you don't have as much of a warm feeling about the score. I would so a song I was really impressed with the way it was done was um uh therapy. Mm-hmm. I really thought mm-hmm. that therapy could have been I liked the balance of the argument and the song giving you like the song does all the comedic heavy lifting, but the scene is, is an actual serious scene that doesn't then devolve into the song. I was really like, Oh, and at some point like these, these things are going to merge and they're going to be singing the song together. Yeah. And I liked the fact that they didn't do that because then at the end of the scene, you were left with that thing, that sort of feeling of like that sort of bittersweet moment where it was like, it took the edge off the drama, but the comedy kind of kept it all kind of level through that scene i was really impressed with that i agree except and maybe this is just obscenely nitpicky but the argument that they were having in the movie Mm. was not really the same kind of argument the song is talking about it's like a Mm -hmm. passive aggressive talking around not really fully being able to communicate and being sort of like overly deferential in the it's the kind of argument where you're sort of like detaching and not really saying what you mean, but talking a lot. And the argument that they showed was like a kind of like knockdown drag out. This is the thing we've been meaning to say to each other. And so I was like, what this song is doing here actually doesn't totally like dramaturgically fit. Mm -hmm. I liked what it was, what was happening tonally. I just, I mean, maybe that's just like an annoying note, but I think I just, that was the thing that didn't work for me. It feels like one of those, there's several, Sunday in the Park with George moments in this movie of the general theme being of like of finishing the hat, for example, of just the idea of like the artist is always removed from what's going on. He's always observing. He's always which I mean, becomes literal text when they hug and she says, oh, my God. And she looks at his face and goes, oh, my God, you're thinking about how you're going to write this. Like that is Mm -hmm. like that literal kind of moment. Yeah. So I was. That's fair. You know, that that just felt like another one of those to me, that idea of, of like, he is, this is his filter of the art. This is how he's processing the argument later, you know, and it's yeah funny. He's able to yeah. make it. He, tw- the, he make twisted it, it into a new type of into argument. Into a new thing, yeah. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. But you're right. The what? tone the tone doesn't match. I just, I, just I, I found that amusing, but I can see why that would bug you. What musical would you want Lynn to tackle next? Hmm. Well, if he's taking the uh, the Bob Fosse route, he has to do a dark like what the the um, Bill Hicks movie, I guess, would be his next thing. What would that be? Um, there's a deep. Cut. You mean Lenny? 
Yeah, but it would it be Bill Hicks, not not not, not Lenny Bruce? I can't. Um, uh, this is called Steve, and it's Bradley Whitford in black and white. <laughs> you did tweet Sondheim Whitford, right? Is the follow-up? Uh, yes, Verdon, that please was you. Okay, give yeah. it to me. Limited series, I'm in. I will watch it all. I would love to see his like his film of Follies. Oh man, that'd be nice. But mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons he's the perfect person to direct this film is because, as I said, it, it is ultimately about writing yeah. that he intimately understands. And I like, I know he has appreciated, like, I would rather, rather see, um, uh, who's the, I would love to see his version of Mary. I was, that's what I was going to say. That's the, happening instead anyway. Instead of the monstrosity but that I is, that is yeah. currently being shot right now. I think he'd be a great Merrily. I think, um, I mean, I think like, for example, I think I'd like to see his version of Sunday if they wanted to make that into a movie. I don't Mm. think, I don't know that I want them to, but like I would, I would trust him to give that the best shot. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know that that would translate. Yeah, I don't think it should be a movie. I'm just, right. Yeah, I just think like, Like, you know, because I would almost rather see Tommy Kale's version of Follies than Lin-Manuel's version of Follies. Like, I feel like. If you know, just to stay in that family, you know, for a second, like mm-hmm. I think what Tommy Kale did on Fosse Verdon really would translate to a really interesting film version of Follies, which I think is an inherently cinematic musical. I think it would be a great mm-hmm. movie, and as long as we can get Aaron Sorkin away from it, I think we'll be in good shape. But it's, uh, y- you know, I think it feels. I thought about him a lot watching this movie because I was like Aaron Sorkin, not only because Bradley Whitford's walking around. <laughs> But also because when it but it became clear that it was about writing, I was like, there's there's like there's certain writers who understand how how much of a drag writing is, and there's certain writers who are like, no, writing is the noblest profession. And I was like, I'm so glad we don't have that Aaron Sorkin thing sure. on it of like this like no, the true soldier of blah blah blah. It's just like no, like it sucks, but we love it, but it sucks, but we love it, but it sucks. Like that was the the whole pull of the thing for it. Right, much more appropriate. What do you think, Serena, besides from Merrily? Do you have another Lin Manuel (sighs) motion picture? Merrily is my best pull. Lin Lin Man musical. Musical movie. Very good. I don't know. See, I often, I don't know of many movie musicals I'm itching to get made. I'm looking in the chat here to see if anybody's. Yeah, anyone have any good ones? Anyone got any good ideas? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin does have his his I Love Lucy movie coming, so we'll see how that. What if Lin just remade Cats? Kidding. Y'all. And wow. yet, and yet, and yet, again, couldn't do it. No, Rum Sum Tugger would rap again. <laughs> oh, Starlight Express. Never mind. Forget it. Starlight oh, Express. Wow. Yeah. Done. We sure. solved it. Never mind. Got it in, we got it in one. Starlight Prince. Express. That's it. Lynn <laughs> brings you Starlight Express. Uh, he could probably do something sort of, well, I mean, he's not a dancer, but like something a chorus liney, something, you know. Yeah, I'd like to see yeah, something like that. I'd like to see him do something that is Team an intimate, very intimate sort of musical that would take, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of treatment to get translated. Um, yeah. And which Folly certainly has, Robbie, to echo your point. Like he could, you know, I can, I can feel that to a certain extent. It's just the sure. opulence of the Loveland sequence would really need to be. But also the fact that the Follies movie needs to be four hours long and it's not going to be fills me with dread. So we'll just have to see. <laughs> I mean, anything is possible in it's this true. new world. And nothing made sense. I mean, it'll probably be Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. <laughs> as Sally Tiger King Buddy, Series 3. But... <laughs> uh, 
can't believe there's a Tiger King too. Uh, yeah, somebody should make a better Chorus Line film. Yeah, and you know, I'm Michael Douglas is still available, so he can you oh, know he can get no, into that. No, we did that. <laughs> we did. We absolutely did that. Why with why? Terrence? Mann, That's homophobic too. to say do it again. Absolutely not. <laughs> not while That's I not have a breath works. on this earth. Not while you're around. No. Oh, nothing's no, gonna harm nothing's you. Nothing's gonna harm you. Uh, guys, see, any final thoughts before we wrap up here, guys? This has been wonderful conversation about this wonderfully enjoyable fantastic motion picture that i was startled by how good it was sort of my final thought yeah i think it's the best movie musical of the year yeah and that surprised me very much yeah i'm just so glad i liked it and i'm so glad you liked it patrick after i feel like i've you know gauged your lukewarm feelings about jonathan larson stuff from your podcast generally i'm glad you liked it yes and it's what's the thing is that like the more i am exposed to jonathan larson's work the more i like him and the more i want to know more about him which then leads me to liking him more it's a great like it's really getting away it's the problem of my perception of him in my 20s of him being a one trick pony there's this sort of set when when all you have is rent and literally nothing else sure. you that's all you can kind of cling to you like and you sort of think eventually like well listen anybody can get lucky like whatever mm-hmm. like do it again that's the real thing and then once you l- stare into the depth and breadth of his work and potential and you go oh crap we really lost something here that's terrible you know that's the yeah i just think the incredible prescience of this musical of like i turned 30 i don't know how much time i have left which yeah when he was writing it like nothing really distinguished it from anything anybody writes which is like will i be successful oops aging like this you know Mm -hmm. and it had he lived and who knows what rent would have been what would have happened to his career like i think that this show would have been kind of like oh once upon a time i did a solo show about how i didn't know if i would be successful yeah i think he would have mm. done it again at like like after if ren had been a hit which it would have been after he like and he was still alive he would have done it he would have like toured tick tick boom like oh, this is a show i so used you to do think, fun? maybe but i just you, you think he would have kept revising it like it's um title of show no, I think it would have just sort of gone, lived in obscurity and someone would have dug it up if he was really successful and been like, well, you did this solo show and some of the songs right. are fun. Let's look at it. But that it would have would be just been Saturday a kind of annoying night. show yeah. about a yes. guy who wound up being successful who didn't know if he would. And then he was like, but really, then it, it he becomes would have done this a benefits, show about, yeah. about yeah, death. It it's it's a it show is, about yes. death it that he didn't intend it to be. Yes. Like all great art, it's, it's about death. <laughs> yeah but this one really i mean and it's a show the fact that he chooses to stick with his career whether or not he's going to be successful because that's the way he wants to spend his day like and then five years later he's dead like that's yeah. if that doesn't punch you in the gut i don't know what will and it really is like initially when it occurred when the narration kicked back in i was a little bit like mm. oh this is how we're gonna stop like I can't. I just the narration was probably my least favorite part yes. of the movie, both at the top and the bottom. Why do it in narration? Sorry, but, that's but just... it was no. You're absolutely right. You should like it. Felt the narration at the beginning and the end didn't really work for me as much as the rest of it. But in retrospect, I was waiting for the moment where he got like dizzy and had to sit down, or he like where <laughs> he did the movie thing where he coughed a little bit, so you know he was gonna. We never saw I'm that. Glad we didn't for a second. Mm-hmm. No, and it was absolutely the right choice because that puts him in the martyr deification 
corner. Like that's what you do to the sort of savior of everything. Right. He's and not Satine. No, he's not even Mimi. He no, and is, it's his job know. to realize that his relationship to time, as far as he understands it, is not the same as his friends who has AIDS and right. like, who ha- have AIDS. And that's, you know, he, that's that something he has to reckon with in the musical. But we know on a meta level that right. it actually is. Which is why I really uh, I was fascinated by how well written that scene is between him and Michael. Because yeah. had he lived, that scene's very melodramatic. But the fact mm. that you know there's two people in that scene, one of them is going to die before they're 40, and it isn't the guy who just found out he's HIV positive. Like, mm. that is – because the character Michael's based on is still alive today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is like – it's shocking that, like, that is the exchange they have. And it's the exact right exchange in the moment, you know, that, like, yeah. you think you're running out of time. I'm literally running out of time. So don't talk to me about your problems. It's exactly the kick in the ass he needs – and with the, like you say, the extra textural level on top of it, you're just like, God, a mate, like, that's, that's, that blows you, it just absolutely knocks you down. It, yeah, it sometimes really things out. about success are like, well, if I just know if I'm going to be successful or not, that's how I know if it's worth doing what, sticking with what I'm doing. But, you know, like this kind of twists it on its head because it's just, you know, if you were going to die in five years, what would you want? To spend your time doing, would you want to work with this shitty advertising firm yeah. and like be a little more comfortable, or would you want to sort of keep like blindly going and not know if you were going to be successful? Yeah, and it is really that great turning point moment where he just when he hears the truth and he's like, "Nope, like I don't want to do that. I can't do this again. I can't spend another eight years." But then he does. But then he does, and then it's tick tick boom, and then it's rent, and then he does, which is you know. That's great. It is also great that the show, like the next, I love the fact that Rent exists in the exterior of this entirely. Totally. It's a great the joke tick, at the tick, beginning where is, he's like, the, next. Yeah, the Tick, Tick, Boom is the next one. And then it was Rent. Mm-hmm. And the show he's been writing this whole time is Tick, Tick, Boom, where he's writing down all the little lyrics to Louder Than Words, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I like that you also. You do see the, uh, there's like 525,600. Yes somewhere like on a billboard somewhere and i think there is they list uh one song glory being in the soundtrack i think at some point he plays he's playing yeah yeah Yeah. and then but those are so tiny like that's you know the little they don't knock it over your head exactly which i love and there's that lovely little fake out where you're like oh this is the guy who wrote rent and he's like guys this is the first time anyone's gonna hear this workshop of this great musical i've been writing superbia Yep. And it's that a great a... joke in that moment to be like, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Not rent. Superb. That was a big worry I had. I was like, maybe they're going to mash these things together and they're going to make Tick, Tick, Boom the story of the workshop of rent. And then he's going to die in the movie. And right. I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. So good. It's so good that he didn't die in the movie. It's so, I mean, there's, it's just so much restraint and so smart. Yeah. And they never dwelled on the inevitable sadness of it. You just knew it the whole time. Yeah. And that's enough. The audience, and it's also a good thing about being made for the audience, like clearly made for people like us who know he's going to die. So all Mm -hmm. that's already on top of everything. There's never a like, literally he's going to die kind of moment. Also, Mm -hmm. like was done in Fosse Verdon. I thought very effectively in Fosse Verdon, but like, since we, you don't, like most people don't know when Bob Fosse died. Everybody knows. If you know Jonathan Larson, you know he died, right. you know, right before the first preview off Broadway of Rent. Like you just know that. So it's a, yeah. 
It's great. It's remarkable. I mean, it's I, I've seen three movies this year. It's my favorite. I'll just put it that way. It's mm. uh, <laughs> small sample size, but it is <laughs> it is definitely one. I will eagerly show this movie to people, which I haven't yeah. seen a movie like that in a while. Where I was like, yeah. "No, you have to see Tick, Tick, Boom." I will. I'm very excited to see. And we're getting lots of agreement in the chat from this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the Cat Scratch Club shows up. Ross is telling us. That's yeah, cool. that's true. Um, and. Uh, I also love this movie that Sharon's mom didn't know that Jonathan Larson died and during the narration it said he died of an aortic aneurysm. She said, what? That's so sad. Uh, <laughs> which it is. Um, it's weird. I thought he was a gay man who died of AIDS. What are the other two movies I saw? I saw No Time to Die in the theater oh. and Cats came out last year. Two years ago. Two years ago? Jesus. Yeah, I hate to break it to you. Oh, God in heaven. Something on Disney Plus. I don't know. One of the Disney... Oh, um, what's the one about the fish people? That came out this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, Luca. yeah. Luca. Luca, yeah. So Luca. better than Luca. It was good. I've seen I've seen no bad movies this year that came out this year. Well, I mean, like Di- because Diana is a recording of a, uh, of a, a pretty, live show. A pretty girl in a pretty, pretty dress. Let's thrill him in Manila with Diana and Camilla. Oh if I, God, I, I don't have any tattoos, that might be that my score. first. Um, God. I oh, really? Wait. Oh, yeah. The Thriller in Vanilla. Thriller in Vanilla with Diana, Diana and Camilla. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Oh, so good. Honestly. Just so I, great. I was begging for the score to it so I could do it at Birdland. Oh, man. Uh, that number. Mm hmm. <laughs> Did you watch it, Serena? Just... Have you watched? No, Diana? not yet. Oh. I should. Serena, don't I know. You do I know. Yourself and a I, got, favor. I got tickets to. um to like a preview and I couldn't oh, go yeah. and I haven't seen it. Oh, I know. Man, it's I kill so me. Great. I don't deserve to be it's, here. No, 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 Happy no, birthday no, to no, me. no. This is a great gift we can give you to tell you to go walk. Immediately don't run, run, don't, don't walk. walk. To... Friends, here's the thing. It is the year of Sondheim. It is. But I feel like also Sondheim would laugh through Diana. <laughs> Do you think musical. so? Because he's just old enough to be like, well, fuck it, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit anymore. He's, he's got two revivals. I've written, I've written two whole books about how grumpy I am about lyrics. Fuck it, he's whatever. Fine. It he's like, I'm gonna sure, play. the Bon Jovi guys wrote about Diana. Just whatever. Go, just go watch How it. weird could it be? Oh, it could be that weird. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put Diana side by side with um, Kristen Stewart, Diana. and just I see saw that happens. too. Is that I'm good? play them at the same time. Is Spencer good? Robbie? Yes. Okay. It is. She's excellent. I'm interested. It focuses in it, yeah. on truly just three days, um, and so it's just fascinating. That's what uh, I'd heard, which I really found very it, interesting. Yeah. A lot of it sort of um, it goes into like, uh, oh, this isn't actually happening. Yeah. Right now, like, uh, like Jackie did. Mm-hmm. If you saw that okay. film, and I had a friend who said to me that he hopes that this director. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Finn does a hat trick with uh, uh, a film about Dorinda Medley of the Real Housewives of New York and the three days after Richard, her her partner, dies and like the crazy spiral she went down. <laughs> um, and chef's kiss. <laughs> I have to, so yeah. Amy in the chat said she can only get through the first half of the Diana musical. I have to say, if that means you stop before the opening of Act Two, Amy. Amy. It'll reinvest you in that thing. I also tell Amy. everybody, though, if you get bored with it, feel free to kick that thing up at one and a half speed. It does not disappoint at one and a half speed. <laughs> no. It'll get I'm you. I'm gonna get also, a special bottle of wine and I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah, gonna do it, it soon. Is. Oh yeah, do it because they back. they also uh, neutered things for the Netflix. 
Right. So there's a whole there's a song whole, that's yeah. just dropping f bombs that they've changed, they've changed to the feckity 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 feck you dress. <laughs> yes. And honestly, yeah. oh, put it in the Louvre. So great. <laughs> no notes. It, yeah, it is just, <laughs> oh, no. so, so many notes. How? Where can I start? No notes. It's fantastic. The music. <laughs> the, my only notes are the, the music notebook. notes. I, that are I, I really like this musical. I knew exactly what it was saying. I loved all the lyrics. They were fantastic. And uh, I thought the converse of that. Right. Uh, we're, we're saying the same thing. What's so? I. I feel like I've lost it. Uh, just <laughs> both the podcast and the impression. I feel like have gone gone away from me. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for for coming and and in, and enjoying this uh, this love fest celebration of the uh, Lin Manuel Miranda adaptation of Tick Tick Boom. Um, and thank you. If you're to, not a Patreon member, you should. Well, subscribe. everybody here is a patron right now. That's correct. But, but if this you're is listening going in the later, main feed. yeah, the main feed tomorrow morning yeah. it'll be get out. Get on that. I have Patreon, to get. Yeah. I have to go right from here to back to my house to right. <laughs> upload this thing to the main feed for tomorrow morning. It'll be out in an hour and twenty minutes. Um, what a dream! It is. It's just. Uh, but Serena, what have you got going on that you can tell the people about? Oh gosh, what have I got going on? I mean, if you want to see me uh, at a uh, Birdland on Monday. At Birdland on Monday, I'll be doing a show. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see me do a very silly, um, short, mm-hmm. musical-ish, yes. strong word, called Karaoke Rex at the Secret Theater, I think is what it's called. Oh, it, no. Not the Secret Theater. The Secret Studios or something. I don't know. It's in Gowanus. Oh, um, yeah. And the Secret Theater. Mm-hmm. The okay. new. It's new. It's new. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... um. It's set in ancient Greece about the fake invention of karaoke. Um, It's going to be fun. And then it's going to turn into a karaoke party. Um, You can come see (laughs) that. And then other, I mean, I'll have other things going on, but that's a. Where can people find you and follow you? Um, You can find, you can check me out at serenaberman.com. And you can follow me at flying toast where I post very irregularly on Twitter, but sometimes uh, or Instagram, but it's gold every time. That's oh, yeah. Only golds. That. Only gold every two to three weeks. <laughs> and Robbie Rizal will be at Birdland on Monday, I've heard. Um, that's a rumor and speculation and propaganda. Uh, but I will be at Birdland on Monday. Only one way to find out if you'll be there, and that's to go to Birdland on Monday at 7 o'clock. It's not- uh, it's my, uh, for my 45th birthday, and I thought, what could I do? And I thought, charge people yes. to hear me sing. You perform. That's the it's the dream yeah. is what it is. Uh, but thank you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Serena. Thank, thank you, you, Robbie, and uh, thank you everybody in the chat. And thank you to lit for for listening to the original cast at the movies special on Tick Tick Boom. As I slowly fade up this music. Um, oop, I ran out of time. Oh wait, that's the movie's going away. Bye. Bye.